Hey friends, listen up. I really want you to hear about these folks. For nearly 70 years, CDF Capital has been part of a movement helping churches and church leaders bring light to the world through their capital. While they're best known for church loans and investments, they're humbled to serve alongside servant leaders like you who want to see the good news of Jesus shared with those who need it most. Through this collaboration with churches, they develop spiritual capital through prayer and connecting, leadership capital through cohorts and coaching, and financial capital through investment and loans. When you partner with the Lord and with churches, they bring spiritual leadership and financial capital together. The results are incredibly transformational. Listen, it's much more than money. It's more than metrics. It's even more than you and me. It's about the ministry of Jesus. Our friends at CDF Capital, they're so much more than a lender. They're so much more than an investment. They really do help churches grow. Frankly, it's they're so amazing. They do so many good things. They're, it's not something that you would expect from a lender or from their investments. You should be leaning in and learning about CDF Capital. What I want you to do is to sign up to learn more about CDF Capital and how they can help your church grow. Receive a 50% discount on a monthly subscription to the CDF Capital Subscribe and Save Bundle at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Sign up today to get that 50% discount on the CDF Capital Subscribe and Save Bundle. That's at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary today. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. You know, today we've got a leader you're going to want to lean in on and and learn from. We've got a leader of leaders, someone who's connected with just so many great people across the country. We've got Sean Lovejoy. He's the founder and CEO of Courage to Lead, which is all about coaching leaders around what keeps them up at night. They really facilitate organizational and personal growth for leaders. He has a real diverse background. He's been a church planter, a pastor, a real estate developer, entrepreneur, leadership coach. Coach, He is the host of the Courage to Lead podcast, and he's just so fantastic guy. Plus, he's written a, a book that we want to make sure you hear more about. So, Sean, welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Welcome back to the show. You've been on again, which is nice, which if you're a longtime listener, you know, we don't do that often. So, gl- so glad to have Sean back. Honored to be with you and honored to be your friend, and I'm glad you and I have a relationship, man, because you're one of the smartest guys that I know, Uh-oh. but you're also one of the most approachable and accessible guys that I know. So I just appreciate that about you. Oh, thanks so much, Sean. Why don't you kind of fill out this Sean story a little bit for folks that might not know who you are. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us the kind of a bit of the story there. Yeah. So I didn't grow up wanting to be a pastor. Nobody in my family had ever been in ministry. You know, I grew up in Alabama, man. We all my my grandparents and all his brothers, they were all in bar fights. They had all been stabbed (laughs) and shot, you know. And so and then my my grandfather broke the cycle, um, Hmm. godly man, you know, and got his family back in church. Hmm. So I'm I'm third generation, you know, our Christ follower. You know, my dad Hmm. was the same Baptist deacon, you know, and um, but all I ever want to do is follow in his steps and do real estate. 
And um, I got my real estate license when I was 19 years old, started selling real estate on the side. By the time <laughs> I'm 21, I'm making a six-figure income. And that was in the early 90s, Rich. Yes. Back that's when six what, figures was six like figures a big deal. a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I started wow. teaching a college and career Sunday school class. Oh, nice. Wife. Yeah. You didn't know uh, this part of my story, did you? I didn't know this. This is new. And this is great. And God swept the whole church really up in revival out of our Sunday school class and like That's cool. ruined us in the best way. And I walked in and told my dad I was leaving the family business and going to be a pastor. And he compared wow. me to David Koresh that day. You know, he told me, <laughs> he, he said even David Koresh thought he was doing God's will. <laughs> oh gosh, that's a great opening line. Oh my goodness. Well, it nice, made like no sense. You know what I'm saying? And so- yes. Served a couple traditional churches and then moved to Metro Atlanta and started a church, you know, which kind of grew despite my preaching into a mega church. But I always <laughs> felt like a business guy trapped in a pastor's body, you know, and I, okay. I, I realized that I was good at the between Sunday stuff, mm. which is mm. what seminary does not teach you. Yes, yes. Thus the need for this podcast. Like, yes. I, I started the church when I was 28, Rich. Right. I, I was starting a church and I had never led a staff meeting. Right. I had never hired Amazing. anyone, much yes. less fired anyone before, nor right. had anyone ever taught me how to do any of that. So right. we had we had four and a half hour staff meetings on Mondays. Nice. Sort it all out. Get it all figured out on Monday. That's how I started. <laughs> and so through great coaching, you know, I and, and school of hard knocks, you know, and then I started coaching mm -hmm. leaders, you know, just how mm -hmm. to get better between Sundays and how to stay sane, centered and married in the process. Like that's mm -hmm. that's an important tenet of, mm -hmm. you know, my coaching over the years. And so made the second scariest decision I made eight years ago mm -hmm. to hand off the church and go full time coaching. Right. You know, and we've been coaching marketplace and ministry leaders now for the last eight years and. I'm having the time of my life. We got 17, 18 coaches now. You know, it's just yeah, crazy so what God's done. So I never walked off a stage when I was a mega church pastor, Rich, and said I like I was made for that. Honestly. Oh, okay, interesting. Yes. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. You know how that is. Like I walk yes. out of coffee shops and boardrooms now all the time and I'm like, man, I'm good at Love that. that. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. God's given me a gift. I'm it, you know, so I can I'm decent on a stage, but I'm I'm yeah. better in circles than I am in rows. Right. So good. And I, so you really have two parts of what you do. There's the courage to lead side, which is, is really about marketplace leaders. Correct me if I'm wrong. And then you've got kind of the courageous pastor side, which is about coaching pastors. Help me understand those two. Give us like, I, I want to focus in on what you're seeing in pastors particularly, but kind of talk to us about the two parts of what you do. Well, I always felt like, because I had a previous life, you know, outside vocational mm -hmm. ministry, a lot of what we were teaching was scalable mm -hmm. to the marketplace, you know, and I wrote mm -hmm. my first book to pastors, the measure of our success with Baker books, the editor of my book cried. He said, I've never been a pastor, but all this mm -hmm. personal leadership stuff you're teaching, like, mm -hmm. man, I need to hear this. I could, he tried to get me to expand it to marketplace leaders as well. And I just said, no, I just want to write to pastors because mm -hmm. I'd had several pastors disqualify themselves in the process of building mm -hmm. this thing they were building mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. just passionate about it. So the goal all along was to take the organizational design principles and leadership principles that I've learned from great coaches mm -hmm. and scale it from the ministry into the marketplace as well. And we've been able to do that for a while. They lived under the same brand. You know, now we mm -hmm. have courage to lead and courageous pastors and we're coaching both. Yeah. So good. Well, you spend a lot of time thinking about leaders. A part of why I love you and what I love what you do is there are folks who are in this space of, you know, helping church leaders who 
I get the vibe from sometimes that, that they just see us as a market. They just see us as like, Hey, we're trying to like sell junk to churches and that's not you at all. I really do. You give out the vibe and I've seen it consistently of your love for church leaders. Um, and which I, I just want to hero and champion, I think is fantastic. You spend a lot of time thinking about church leaders, talking to church leaders. What are you seeing these days? You know, we're coming up on 600 episodes. I wanted to get you on and kind of tap your kind of meta thinking around where are church leaders at? What are you wrestling in? What are they wrestling with? What do you hear uh, them thinking about consistently these days? Well, I would say, you know, first of all, you know, three years ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> 90% of my discussion with pastors was on the nuts and bolts side. Mm-hmm. 10% was on the personal side. Mm. Three years later, on the back side of political tensions and pandemics Mm. and racial tensions and every other kind of possible accusation that pastors could have thrown at them in the last Mm -hmm. three years, Mm -hmm. you know, it's now 90% personal Mm -hmm. and 10% nuts and bolts. Like a lot of church leaders lost their swagger. I call it in the last three years. Like we, we just, we're just trying to stay out of the, off the front page. (laughs) Stay yeah, out yes. of the headlines, you know, yep. not be accused of something we didn't do, mm-hmm. trying to be so careful and so tentative. But if you're not careful, mm-hmm. you sort of can get in that mode where you're playing defense all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, so one of the things we're talking a lot to pastors about is like, hey, we got to get back off of our heels and get back up on the balls of our feet again. We got to start mm-hmm. thinking. Let's not let's don't move the target, move the bullseye, settle for less. Like the Lord wants your church to grow more than you do. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm. So oh, don't over spiritualize so this. Okay. Right. He wants right. your church. Healthy things grow. So we need mm-hmm. to hold ourselves accountable to that. And we can't blame the pandemic forever. We gotta mm. we gotta get back, you know, and play offense. But that takes some, you know, some some comp they gotta get their confidence, their courage back, you mm-hmm. know, to to take new ground in Jesus' name. Mm. Yeah, let's talk about that. So I love that. I, I and I've seen that as well. I think there is We've all taken a hit right in these last number of we years. We all have, yeah. And it's this sense of like, oh gosh, I'm not sure, you know, what is it that God's calling us to do? I do sense that there's a pivot as in conversations I'm having, there's more and more people, leaders are leaning into, they're not talking about rebuilding. We're, we're done thinking about the percentage of people that were with us in 2019. We're like, okay, yeah. these are the people that are here. Let's re, let's build from here. What are you doing to help them get back in the game? How, what kind of coaching are you giving them? How are you helping to kind of regain that swagger? As you say, what's that look like? Well, one, you know, I've been telling a lot of guys, some, it's a beautiful biblical metaphor, you know, right. in Jewish culture, uh, some still true, but not Orthodox do, you know, that when they, when there's a death, mm-hmm. they have a, a period of grieving publicly mm-hmm. signified by the sackcloth and ashes idea. Mm-hmm. But then there's like that day of declaration when, when the, the period of grieving is over mm-hmm. <laughs> and widows date again. It's okay to ask a widow out on a date. You yes. know, I've told pastors like, you need to grieve the loss that we had because that will affect you. Mm-hmm. It's called PTSD. And as much as 50% of pastors could mm-hmm. be clinically diagnosed with PTSD. I really do believe mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But there comes a day of declaration when it's no more, we're no more focused on the loss. Like you say, right. we don't right, have right. 70%. We don't have 80%. We got 100%. That's what we got. We got a new launch mm-hmm. team for the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so we're not going to talk about who's missing anymore. Mm-hmm. We're not yeah, going to talk about that. who's left anymore. That end yes. of discussion. Yep. And I, I think there's power in saying, 
No more. After today, we got what we got. We're going with the goers. The good news is everyone has it left. Yes, yes. <laughs> and and now we're going to develop a strategy to take what we've got and treat mm-hmm. them as a launch team mm-hmm. to go into the future. And there's, okay. I think there's spiritual and emotional power in that. Yeah. So you haven't heard episodes that we're recording. So Greg Surratt said exactly the same thing. He was like, uh, listen, friends, we have to treat he probably stole it from me somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, he, you know, he, but I, Hey, I think that's important. Like let's lean in here. Folks, we're hearing similar things here. Uh, we, and he literally was the same language around. We should be thinking about this as a new launch team that it's like, Hey, you know, and, and he obviously talks to a lot of church planters and, you know, and there's been a uh, you know, t- ton of churches that have taken a hit and seen like, okay, I'm, I'm back to just a couple hundred people, but Hey, if you were to start with a couple hundred people, um, uh, that would be amazing. You would have loved it. Right. You'd be like, this is incredible. I tell um, guys, you know, Rich, I'll say how many people were here this past Sunday? And they're like, well, you know, only 200 or, or only a hundred yeah. or whatever. I was like, and what was your giving? Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. It was, you know, three thousand dollars. Let's just let's be very very concerned. Yes. I was like, yes. If I went to a church planter and said I've yes. got a core group of a hundred and a hundred and fifty thousand dollars that yes. I'll hand you. Yes. Over the yes. would you? What, how many church planters yes. you think would take that deal? <laughs> yes. All day long. Yes. Yeah. All day long. It's a matter of Absolutely. perspective. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I love it. So let's think about that. So we're we're talking to some church leaders. We're trying to encourage them. Hey, let, you know, we're let's think about the people that we're, you know, they're with us. They're a launch team. That that means building teams again. That means rebuilding the people we've got. That means kind of redeploying them. What would be some of those practical steps about enlisting the people that are with us, kind of helping them get plugged in, helping them end up in, you know, the right seat on the bus, all those kinds of things. What kind of things should we be thinking about that? One of the things we learned through the pandemic is one of the most indicting things about a lot of churches we talked with is not, they couldn't, it wasn't just fringe people that left. It yeah. was leaders that left and they yeah, didn't yeah. even know where they were. Yeah. So we've worked with a lot of fast growing churches, but, mm-hmm. and I, I, I attend one now, but mm-hmm. during the pandemic, a lot of those churches looked around and said, well, we, we can't even find our leaders. Like we're not as close as, mm-hmm. we, as we thought we were to our leaders. So mm-hmm. I think the opportunity now is not focus on followers getting more Mm -hmm. followers, but with this new launch team, you know, to really look at building leaders at every level. So the new team Mm -hmm. I'm building is not a bunch of ministry doers. Mm -hmm. They're ministry developers, and we're going to build teams at every level. And the next time some calamity comes along, because it's going to come along, Jesus sort of promised that, Mm -hmm. you know, we're going to be strong at the center. Mm -hmm. We're not going to have people we pay to do ministry. Mm And we're going to build a leadership culture. And you're responsible Mm -hmm. for not just making Sundays happen, but Mm -hmm. reproducing yourself. I want a list of people you're meeting with. Yes. That you're training to think like you think, see what you see, say what you say. And Mm -hmm. we're going to make that part of our metrics on our staff going forward. Yes. That you're reproducing yourself in the lives of others. And we'll be stronger next time if we'll start at the center and build out that way. Yeah, I love that. Let's lean in a little bit more on that. I think we all agree Ephesians 4, we should be building up. Our job is not to do the ministry. We need to be equippers of the saints. That's what we're called to do. But we all seem to be caught in this temptation of let's just find some doers or or maybe even more pointedly, let's pay some doers because then I don't have to develop people. Um, push, push more on that. T- tell us more about the distinction yeah. between a doer and a leader. Help us understand that. It's like everything else that God has taught us. I mean, his... Res- his his teachings are not restrictive, they're freeing. I mean, mm. 
you know, I tell guys the the tagline for the book is this doesn't have to kill you. Mm. <laughs> like if you're, if you're overwhelmed right now and you're overextended mm. and you're overcommitted, you have to ask yourself, is it because Jesus has put more on me than human, what's humanly possible? Mm. Or is it because <laughs> I'm a control freak? Right. Right. And I think yeah. nobody can do it better than me. Right. Yes. And yes. I, I, I won't, I won't or can't build a team. You know, right. so one is that it's that spiritual desire and commandment, but two, it's it's leadership's a spiritual gift. Mm. So pastors need to hear the mandate to say we need to put people in leadership positions, mm-hmm. not that push buttons and move chairs, which is what we mm. tend to hire. We mm. tend to look for doers, technicians. Yes. Right. When we're better off, God knew there's not enough money to go around to pay everybody to do ministry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And very few what, what, people were paid to be good in the New Testament church. Very yes. few of them. And money was scarce, yes. you know, yes. and it can and, can and will be scarce at times with us. We're never going to mm-hmm. have enough money to pay everybody to do ministry. He knew mm-hmm. that would be a lid to the church. So he said, you guys that are the elders, you've got to you got to teach people. you got to equip mm-hmm. people rather than do the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. So, why do you think we're so tempted towards doers? Why? Why it's does quicker? Why do we? It's, it's quicker, quicker, faster. Okay. It's plug yeah. and play. Yes, I mean yeah, it's yeah. It, it's easier for me to just grab somebody and put them on staff and start paying them to, you know, because Sunday's always coming. It comes every seven days. You know, it's the right. tyranny of the urgent over what's really, really important. Yeah. So, but the cool thing is, it is measurable. Like I, mm-hmm. I can, I can, I can raise the value of this. Mm-hmm. in our organization and say, you're no right. longer just going to be prized for making junk happen. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you're actually going to be valued and indispensable here by giving your job away mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. over time. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. It's so good. You know, I think we're always, you know, leadership development is one of those pieces where it's like, it's like, we're, we all know we're called to that. We all know, Hey, that's the thing we're called to do. But then actually so few of us actually, hunker down and do the week in, week out. What would be some of those habits that you've seen or those kind of repetitive things that um, leaders who develop other leaders just seem to do all the time? They find themselves repeating time and again. Well, you know, it starts at the top. I mean, I was just mm-hmm. with a, you know, a mega church this, uh, this week who mm-hmm. knocked it out, you know, had 8,000 mm-hmm. people there for Easter. It was an all-time high for them. Their biggest auditorium seats, 900 people. They had 8,000 people. There was people everywhere. But I asked the pastor, I said, how many times you teach this past year? He said, I think 48, something like that. Dude, it starts at the top. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It starts at the top. Like you need to be here those 48 Sundays perhaps, but you need to get get down to about 35 Sundays a year, not just for your benefit, Mm -hmm. but you need to pick four to six Sundays this next year, let somebody else teach and you be there and debrief Mm -hmm. after every single service. Like that's how you Mm -hmm. build a deeper bench. You know, we usually don't give our job away in ministry until we're on vacation. (laughs) But like the the new value is like, I I want you to have four Sundays a year. Let's just start there. Four Sundays a year when you're not on vacation, but someone's doing your job. Worship leader. One Sunday a month. Okay. You can't be on the stage. Right. You're here. Can't be on the stage. So like you can begin to systemize this at every level and like raise that Mm -hmm. value Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. man, the goal is not just performing, producing events and services and getting my attaboy attagirl because of that. But like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm reproducing myself and other people and that's championed on our team. 
and mm-hmm. valued. And that's what yeah. makes me indispensable. A lot of yeah, leaders yeah, get yeah. insecure. Like, but if I get off the stage, yeah. you know, uh, you know, they might like the new guy better or whatever. You, but yes. that's, that's pride. That's fear. None of those things come from God. That's straight from the evil one. We have to mm-hmm. wrestle those things to the ground. In reality, I've, I've been the senior leader. Mm-hmm. Man, the most indispensable people on my team were team mm-hmm. people who had that knack of giving their job away. The ones that mm-hmm. couldn't mm-hmm. became the bottleneck. You know, yes. they hit a lid yeah. and, and yep. everybody will. Yeah, there's an interesting thing there, you know, I think, and I've seen this happen in my own life. I've seen it happen with other leaders where, you know, early on, maybe in our 20s or 30s, we have a measure of success. And oftentimes when you peel back the layers of what that is, it comes down to, wow, that person is like super dedicated. They are um, like, they've got tons of energy. They are willing to come in early and leave late. Um, And all of those things are good, but there's a downside to that, which is um, if you, well, first of all, you can't keep doing that. At some point, that's a, that's actually a function of your age and your, you know, energy and all of that. And that does wane eventually in life. I know that's hard to believe young leaders, but eventually that does wane. And we don't reinforce the right behavior early on, which is you have got to develop a people around you. That's actually that's the killer skill we're all looking for at the end of the day. That is the way you will be indispensable and never lose a job in the local church, which is if you can replace yourself time and again, as opposed to you're the person that was always here before the doors open and you're here, you know, and late into the night working hard. But we, but we all still do seem to pat those people on the head and be, thanks so much for working. So true. So, so difficult. It's so um, true. Now you've written a book I want to dive into. Talk a little bit about this. It's called Building a Killer Team. I love this. Without killing yourself or your team, uh, we don't want to kill anybody. Uh, tell us about this. Why did you write this book? Uh, and we want to, uh, friends. We're going to send you to KillerTeamBook.org. We want to send you there today. But tell us about why you wrote this book. What was it that led you to say, "Hey, now's the time"? Yeah. Uh, to write well, this book. You know, we've been coaching and teaching for years around what we call the gears of growth. Like I can trace mm-hmm. every growing or non-growing church, really back to three things. It's the culture, the team, or the systems. And they're separate but interdependent gears. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've talked about, as you said earlier, coaching leaders through what keeps them awake at night. I can promise every leader who's listening to your podcast today, the number one thing that keeps them awake at night, people. Mm-hmm. Finances is number two, but it's people. And the two biggest mm-hmm. lies from hell I ever believed is like, it'll be easier when we get to here. Right. <laughs> Right. And if I can hire right. this person, it will solve all my problems. You know, yes. then you realize yes. every person is a problem, you yes. know? And so <laughs> I sought out to sort of take a lot of our coaching on and around what we'd done in terms of like how to build great, healthy teams right. and build it into a framework or a sequence and shout out to mm-hmm. you. I don't want this time to get away from you because <laughs> I, I, I sought out some of the smartest people I know. I, I say in the book, like every great decision and great idea ought to come out of, out of, a, out of collaboration, not isolation. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, and so <laughs> knowing that I wanted to put together a framework, a sequence mm-hmm. in a little bit tighter, you know, knit way, um, I reached out to you and my buddy, Kenny Jang, you know, mm-hmm. over three years ago, if you can believe that. It's you been know, that I long? Said, Gosh. Hey guys, help <laughs> me. Like I've got a lot of great stuff here bouncing around in my head, but I want to build like a mandate. I want to build a mm-hmm. sequence. I want to build a framework. Mm-hmm. I want to build a job mm-hmm. description for how a leader can build a killer team without 
killing themselves or their team. But I didn't use that word. And you were the one spoke up and said, you know what you're describing? You're describing a killer team. And I'm like, <laughs> bam, that's it. You know, right. God was loud. And it was yeah. birthed out of that meeting, you know, in mm-hmm. collaboration with some friends. So shout out to you and God speaking through you. And then it was just off to the races. It just made a lot of sense. And I, I later went and looked it up. It's on the back cover of the book. The first mm-hmm. word, the first definition of the word killer is a murderer, somebody that yes. slays people. <laughs> you know, but the adjective is something that's strikingly impressive or effective. Mm, mm, and I thought, it. that's it. That's yeah. it. That's how Miriam went. So, so, so this the, the the goal of this work was to get a give a job description mm-hmm. to a leader. Says I, I I need to be a better team leader, team builder, right. and I'm kind of overwhelmed, kind of mm-hmm. overextended, kind of overcommitted, kind of overexposed. Something we talk mm-hmm. as a leader in a mm-hmm. book, like I'm always available and I'm in the middle of the weeds and I can't get out. And that was the heart behind the book. Yeah, I love it. So the thing I love about it is it is a sequence. It's a, you know, it is a, um, it's a process. It's a, a way to understand how to step through, uh, developing. Can you give us a sense of that process? Kind of give us a, you know, maybe a few of those highlights have been like, okay, here are some important steps in this process that we need to make sure, um, that we follow as we're building uh, our relaunch team, as we're thinking about, uh, you know, rebuilding the teams around us. Yeah, so we we talk about five in the book, five pillars of a killer team. One is to foster mm-hmm. togetherness. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to we've got to help the chi- the worship ministry care about the children's ministry because mm-hmm. I hate to tell mm-hmm. you this, they don't care about the children's ministry. <laughs> like <laughs> sure. we have to get the team and the family at the table, get them communicating with each other, learning from each other. And I say in their killer teams are not just committed to the mission; they're committed to each other. Mm, so of course good. that. That goes hand in hand with what Lidzioni says in the advantage. He says a highly mm-hmm. aligned, highly cohesive leadership team is the mm-hmm. competitive advantage. And I think mm-hmm. that's true in church, by the way. It's not mm-hmm. – all, we're all singing the same songs and teaching out of the same book. Right. Why are, <laughs> why are a few growing and many aren't? It's, it's this team piece. Right. It, it's a leader's ability to build a cohesive leadership team and then recruit and build great talent. You know, mm-hmm. you got to – I, I tell people average talent will sign up on a card and raise their hands. You know, elite talent has to be recruited. And then you mm-hmm. gotta you gotta you gotta keep that talent. And then we talk about bolstering accountability and building what we call last ten percent culture. And we mm-hmm. we encourage more conflict in the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A healthy conflict rather than mm-hmm. artificial harmony. Mm-hmm. And then um structuring for growth and peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, reproducing. We talk about building one pizza teams. I don't want more people reporting to a leader that can split a pizza. Right, right, right. Love it. Because I can manage so more good. people than that, but I can't reproduce myself in 15 right. people. No. I, I, I'm not that good. You know, yes. Jesus only selected 12. How many do you think we can do? You know, and he right. spent more time with three. <laughs> yes. So the good news is more people can lead four people than can lead 15 people. Right. Yeah, I so love that. That's literally your leadership pipeline. And then maintaining rhythms and, and finish lines. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's making sure our, we set a team culture where there's like a, a daily finish line. We can't be working mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. A weekly mm-hmm. finish line and a, 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 a rhythm in our culture where we celebrate wins more often. 
I was mm-hmm. talk. I talked with the CEOs of two of the ministry staffing companies, two of the biggest ones, mm-hmm. the, the ministry search firms in North America. Mm-hmm. You would know their names if I called them. Mm-hmm. And the great resignation has happened in the church as well as the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Sure. And one Harvard Business Review, and I think this is true for ministry. One of the primary reasons people are 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 giving for resigning from their positions is not going somewhere else for more money. Right. It was that we never celebrate the wins here. Like nothing's ever good enough. Oh yeah, you know, that's good. Sunday's always coming, and the next series has got to be better than the yeah. last series. And we got to raise the bar, and we're about excellence because that's what yeah. Bill Heibel said. You know, blah yes. blah 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 blah. And like <laughs> nothing's ever good enough. Yeah. And and we we never celebrate progress and yeah. the the simple little life change stories that make ministry worth it all. You know, and well, so and that I think is a particular danger in the church world because Sunday is always coming because we are on this treadmill, and y- you know, and I, y- you know, you feel this. Uh, you know, you come through whatever big day—Christmas, Easter—you know, some huge things happen. Baptism Sundays, whatever that looks like in your church. And I know for me, I have to fight. I have to fight the feeling inside at like one o'clock, two o'clock Sunday afternoon where it's like, okay, well, here comes the next one. The next one's coming. Like we, you know, let's, we just need to move on, but we've got to slow down. We've got to, you know, say, okay, let's celebrate. I love that. That's, you know, defined finish lines. That's really, really I say in the book, Rich, that um, some of the most depressing times in my Mm -hmm. life as Mm -hmm. a mega church pastor was Mm -hmm. in the car on the way home from Easter services after hitting our numerical goal. Yes, yes, yes. And realizing, oh, stink. Yeah, we <laughs> Sunday just comes in seven days. Like it's so fleeting, you know? Yes. That's what yes. I mean by the fact that this this numerical thing, it's a mirage. Like you're, if you're not happy mm-hmm. now, you're not going to be happy there. Right. And it's learning right. to enjoy the day and live in this mm-hmm. rhythm between intensity and rest every day and mm-hmm. enjoying the journey because mm-hmm. it gets more complex. It gets more difficult as God blesses it. So I got to make sure I'm in this for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Love it. Can you give us some practical coaching around, you know, we all love to acquire, we all would love to acquire like the best team ever. We would all be like, we'd like to find these people, raise them up, put them on our team and be like, bad. these are like, you know, these are experts in all these areas. But, you know, we all have folks on our team that maybe are not, they're just not cutting it in one way or another. They're just not, um, living up to our expectations. Um, they're maybe not living up to their own expectations. What coaching would you give to us on what we, sh- how we should help get them realigned uh, or frankly, move them out? What, 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 what does that look like for us? Cause that's a part of building a killer team, right? Is that, Hey, yeah. you know, there's going to be some folks that maybe aren't performing as well. They're not in the killer category yet. <laughs> What's that look like? Well, I think I got a, like, like three chapters in the book on that, but I'll try to do it in 60 seconds or less. You know, one, <laughs> I'll have a leader call. You'll love this, Rich. I mean, you had this a million times happen to you. Mm-hmm. Like I'll have a senior leader or a team leader, you know, call me and they're frustrated about somebody on their staff or mm-hmm. on their team mm-hmm. and they're whining and groaning and and they're <laughs> like, what do you think I should do? And I'm like, well, first of all, have you told them what you just told me? <laughs> so true. So true. 99 out of a hundred times get, you know what their answer is. Well, no, not exactly. I'm like, well, first of all, that lacks integrity. Mm. If you're frustrated by people on your team and you're not telling them, like that lacks integrity. Yes. You, you need to be willing to be clear and honest with them about not meeting your expectations. 
And the mm. cool thing about that is <clears throat> the clearer we get with our expectations of a team member, the yeah. more it allows them to hear from the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and self-select, opt out, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. et cetera, for them to come to the, it's better for them to come to the conclusion they can't keep up than you come to that conclusion privately and then go surprise them by it. You know, and if we're thinking about moving somebody or managing them off the team, like Lencioni says, and I tell leaders, if they would be surprised by that conversation, we mm -hmm. haven't been honest with them along the way. Yes, right. Absolutely. So it Absolutely. begins with like an honesty and a clarity and here's yeah. where you're winning. Here's where mm -hmm. you're not winning. Here's what's acceptable. Here's what's not mm -hmm. acceptable. I owe you that kind of honesty. I owe you grace, honesty, but I also owe you proper placement. Yeah. Like yeah. I owe you the privilege of being in a seat on the bus that aligns with your gifting, your wiring, and your level of talent. If right. I put you in over your head, it's going to steal your joy and it's going to steal my joy. Yeah. So it. that's why we've got to hang on to our roles loosely and keep our eyes mm -hmm. on the goal, you know? And so that all of that spiritual enterprise and that conviction and courage to be more candid and not try to be the most popular person on the team, be the most respected mm -hmm. person mm -hmm. on the team. Mm -hmm. And to be really, really honest and courageous with our with our teammates puts ourselves and our teammates in our best position to hear from God and know whether we're meeting expectations or not. Yeah, there's no doubt that candor is kindness, right? That we want to be super clear with people on where they're at. And the earlier we can do that, the better. Um, you know, I know in my own life, I've respected leaders who have come to me early and been like, hey, this is not meeting my expectations. I would way rather that than because we've all been in the opposite of those conversations where it's like they're they're describing something that happened last week, but there you can tell that there's emotional baggage from a year ago, two years ago, yep. 10 years ago. Yep. And you can smell that stuff a mile away. And we just know then then I feel I feel stupid as a leader. I'm like, I can't believe you didn't talk to me about this. We could have sorted this out. Love that, love that, love that. Well, where do we want to send people? You know, I want to make sure people pick up a copy of this, this book. So where do we want to send them? We want to send them to killerteambook.org. Um, tell us more about that. What what do we want to where do we want to send them? All those kind of things. Yeah, well, I self-published with my my friend and coach Sam Chan's um, mm -hmm. Avail and Inspire labels, mainly because I wanted to get the book as cheap as possible so I could give it away. You know, I don't yep. need to I don't need to try to get rich or famous on books. I'm a coach, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but totally. but I want this content out to as many leaders as possible. So we're able to get give give almost give the book away. You know, for yep. shipping plus yep. cost, and we you know by not signing with a national publisher. So yep. you'll see that reflected at killerteambook.org. Literally, for the cost of me printing the book and shipping it to you, I'll, yes. I'll give you a book if I can, killerteambook.org. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Friends, this is incredible. You know, it, you know, this book is worth, well, it's worth multiple times. You know, the content is worth, you know, a hundred times what you're going to pay for it or more, a thousand times what you're going to pay for it. Uh, but even just in, you know, you know, from a book point of view, if you go there, you'll see it's a super low price. Like it's say, it's just cost plus shipping, um, which is amazing. This would be a great tool for, for teams to do together. Um, is that the best place we want to do that there too? If I'm looking for multiple copies, should I just send everybody on my team there to pick yep. up their own copy? Is that the best for that? Yep. You can that literally, there's a couple bump ups. You can buy three copies, 10 copies, Yep. You know, they're on the site if you want extra copies for your team. And I should say, you know, one of the reasons we wrote the book the way we did, it's not just for ministry leaders, it's for marketplace right. leaders. Right. So I say to right. senior pastors and stewardship pastors and executive pastors, like, 
you you getting some of these for the Christian CEOs and, and, oh, that's and Christian idea. leaders in your congregation? You know, um, they're all trying to build a killer team and you can get some street cred oh, by totally. giving them a book that's safe. It's not loaded with Christianese, you know, mm-hmm. because they may or may not be as devout in their faith. You know, mm-hmm. as you want them to be. Mm-hmm. And they also might be leading teams that are diverse spiritually. Mm-hmm. So I sort of mm-hmm. wrote it through those lenses as well. But it's a safe book to give to the Christian leaders in your congregation. And you'll get mm-hmm. some street cred by adding some value to their lives. You know, because I love it. That's yeah. a great idea. I, you know, I think particularly, you're, you're, you know, we, we have those. Sometimes we don't know what to do with marketplace leaders in our church. We don't know how do we connect with them. I know there's church leaders that are listening in that are a bit perplexed on how to engage with them. I love that idea. Hey, buy 10 buy 10 copies of the book. Friends, it's you won't believe how cheap it is. And uh, you know, wrap it up, write a nice note on the cover. Hey, I was thinking about you as you lead at X organization. Gold. Um, you know, my friend Sean wrote this book. I think you'll find it helpful. Let's get together in a month and talk about it. Man, that would be amazing. I love that. That's a great idea. So good. Well, Sean, this has been incredible. I appreciate your time today. Anything else you want to share just as we wrap up today's episode? I just close by saying, you know, the team is not the frustration. It's not the interruption. It's not the distraction. Mm-hmm. It's not the footstool to build your kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, the team is the work. That's what I say mm-hmm. in the book. I mean, the team is the work. And and at mm-hmm. the end of the day, I'm proud of a lot of things God's accomplished through my life. But but mm-hmm. but I'm, I, all the books and the institutions and the nickels and the noses mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. zeros. I, I, if you want me to boast about something, I'll talk about the 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 men and women I've been able to reproduce myself in. Mm-hmm. You know, they have great yeah, ministries today. Right. You know, who came through a really, really difficult spot in their life, and I coached them love through it. that, and they broke through, mm-hmm. and you know, whatever. Your legacy will be people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. so it's, it's crazy sure. that we would have that conversation in ministry, Rich, but we yeah. do. No, Make it's it about true. people. The team yes. is the work. It is. It yes. is the closest group to you. Yes, um, that you have an opportunity to disciple. So don't love just it. use them to build this kingdom. Man, reproduce yourself in them. That's what you'll be most proud of one of these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. So good. Uh, so killerteambook.org. Uh, is there anywhere else we want to send them online if people want to track with you or with what you're up to? Of course, courage to lead.com is our marketplace expression of what we do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then courageouspastors.com and the Courageous Pastors podcast over there is what we do on the, on the ministry right. side of things. Right. Lots of free stuff there. Love it. Thanks so much, Sean. Appreciate you being here today. Thank you, man. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.